0: See either of the GOP debates.
1: Is this the part where I lie to our audience?
0: No, you can you can be truthful.
1: Okay, I did not. There's a reason why I didn't. I because
0: you value your brain cells?
1: No, it's because I value my time. But I read about them.
0: Well, it's it's pretty clear to me now that it's the race is down to Mitt Romney and Rick Perry.
1: No, that's the most clips that I saw on the Daily Show.
0: Bachman's still in it, but I really don't think there's any no, chance. No, I think she's
1: going down pretty fast. Everybody yeah, keeps she's asking her questions and she's not answering them.
0: To start our series of follow-ups, follow-ups, follow-ups on Rick Perry. He says that Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. Do you know what a Ponzi scheme is?
1: I do know what a Ponzi scheme is. Would you like to briefly illustrate and exemplify? Sure. Bernie Madoff had a huge Ponzi scheme. He was the last person to go down for a Ponzi scheme. That is where you say you have this product, right? And you get people to invest in it. And then you take the money from their invest, like you take a little money from them and you take money from other people and then you give back the first investors some money of what the new investors are giving you. You don't actually have any product that you're selling. It's nothing. Um, And then you do this, so on and so forth. And you like take money off the top until you get caught and you either go to prison or you kill yourself that went a
0: little further ahead <laughs> like, than most ponzi schemes go but it was beautifully put thank, thank you. you thank you
1: thank you that was, that thank was
0: you. yeah social security i don't know if you've heard of this program before but it is not a ponzi scheme it's not it's not like a ponzi scheme in the slightest <laughs> it's an insurance program that every american pays into and every american gets paid from once they reach a certain age or level of disability. It's like a Ponzi scheme in zero ways. (laughs) Rick Perry is perfectly adept at denying reality and at claiming everything that the federal government does is unconstitutional or immoral or illegal or some combination of the previous.
1: You get paid out at the end. And that's how, you know, it's not a Ponzi scheme. You get paid out at the end. You, exactly. be- you benefit.
0: Every dollar that goes in goes out.
1: Yes. The only way that you would not benefit is if the government took away the Social Security.
0: Which, <laughs> <And then laughs> funny you would say, is what Rick Perry wants to do. Yeah. Rick Perry, along with all the mainstream Republicans now, and most of the congressional Republicans who were in office during the Bush years, voted to privatize Social Security and all supported giving people's hard-earned dollars to Wall Street to gamble with. People's investments were partially wiped out by the recession anyway. But imagine if all of that Social Security retirement fund was in stocks the day the economy started collapsing. Oh, my goodness. The two groups who have been falling into poverty the slowest and avoiding poverty the most successfully in light of the recession are Asian Americans and old people, that's a good thing, because when old people suffer, that means they have catastrophically expensive illnesses. Mm-hmm. They have um, just incredible costs to society at large. And so it's in our interests not just morally, but even in cold, rational economic terms, to not have poor people starving to death.
1: Also, consider this, like, your parents are getting old. They are creeping towards retirement age. And if they can't support themselves, who's going to do it? It's probably going to have to be you.
0: Yeah, if you want to live in a world where it's a guarantee that your parents will have to move back in with you at some point, if you want (laughs) to live in that
1: America... Then vote Rick Perry. Then
0: please vote for Rick Perry. (laughs) Or Mitt Romney, who talks a better game about Social Security this week, but weeks ago and months ago and years ago, wanted to privatize Social Security as well. Now, and during the GOP debates, Mitt Romney took a very firm stance on Social Security. But again, he's so chameleonic, the only reason he did it is to Mm -hmm. draw a contrast between himself and Rick Perry and pretend that there's more daylight between them than there actually is.
1: They're the same. They even have the same hair. They do indeed have the same hair. It's like they're twins. Well, no, Romney's grayer. Okay, fine. It's like they're...
0: Perry, like, just for
1: mend it. He, yeah. I'm pretty sure if he didn't, he would look exactly like... I think that they're twins. And if one of them wins, it's okay, because they're twins.
0: I don't think it's okay if either of them wins. They're going
1: to be on the same ticket, no matter what, probably. Who knows? They're the same person. Um, You're going to have a hard time convincing me otherwise.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I'm not going to promise to get them in a room together because <laughs> I really don't want to be in that room. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just going to have to let this be and leave it out there in the world as a possibility that Rick Perry and Mitt Romney are
1: not a possibility.
0: A probability the person. OK, I'm willing to go there. I I think that's I think we've made an airtight case out of nothing. <laughs> They're the same person. <laughs> Emphasis on air. <laughs> so yeah, so Rick Perry wants to give all your Social Security money to Wall Street. That's what the Republican Party wants to do. But there's also the glorious pride that Rick Perry takes in the death penalty. Texas executes more people than any other state in the country. There was a question during the debates about the death penalty and obviously Texas's execution record. Um, And Rick Perry's answer was specifically in regards to the possibility that someone innocent could be executed for a crime. And coincidentally, last Friday, the Supreme Court issued a stay on the execution of a Texas inmate uh, named Dwayne Buck, a black man convicted of a double murder in Texas 16 years ago. After his lawyers contended his sentence was unfair because of a question asked about race during his trial, Dwayne Buck, 48, was spared from lethal injection when the justices, without extensive comment, said they would review an appeal in his case. Two appeals, both related to a psychologist's testimony that black people were more likely to commit violence. (laughs) That happened.
1: (laughs) Oh, only in Texas.
0: Only. Only in Texas.
1: Well, probably in Arkansas and Mississippi as well.
0: Probably there. Maybe once in Oklahoma.
1: Okay, so maybe more places than just Texas. Uh, several more places <laughs> like, than Texas. Maybe not just Texas, but probably in Indiana as well. Um, just.
0: But yeah, I just thought that. I don't know if it's going to affect Rick Perry's chances at all. I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. I'm sure his supporters will rally behind him to get that. Poor, poor man,
1: I'm sure, officially executed. I'm sure his supporters aren't the type to be affected by a story like this.
0: Well, yeah, they're disappointed because <laughs> the execution hasn't happened yeah. yet. Another fun moment <laughs> during the debates was the discussion of the human papillomavirus vaccine. I um, because Rick Perry mandated that all teenage girls in Texas get injected with the HPV vaccine because... Cervical cancer in women is by and large caused by this human, human papilloma, papilloma virus. virus. And as it turns out, the real reason Rick Perry did it is that he got paid by Merck, the company that makes Gardasil, the particular HPV vaccine. So it's, it's a good thing that these girls will not get cervical cancer, but it's also kind of a bit of pay for play. But the way that Michelle Bachman <laughs> responded to it, was by saying that someone at one of her town hall meetings came to her and said that the Gardasil vaccine made her daughter retarded. <laughs> <laughs> Which puts Michelle Bachman in league with, like, Jenny McCarthy as being one of those fuck tarts who says that vaccines cause Down syndrome. We all know it's a genetic condition and not something caused by a vaccine, which is effective in preventing disease. But of course, we all know in Michelle Bachman's case, it's not really about being against crony capitalism or anything else. It's about being against ladies having sex. Well, Jay Leno asked her about that. Um, asked her about the Gardasil controversy that she had helped stir up. And she said that, oh, young girls think that this means they can have an active sex life and not get STDs.
1: Oh, that's what it has to do. It's like, yeah. what's to sex?
0: And what it really has to do with is Michelle Bachman being one of those womb and pussy controlling conservative types.
1: How did Michelle Bachman even get this far?
0: That is the million <laughs> bajillion dollar question.
1: It's like Sarah Palin. It's like what? I mean, after they say a certain amount of dumb shit, don't they just go away and no, be
0: see, that's ostracized from cause society? Because you're you're viewing this from a political model um, where there are politicians vying f- for to make uh, to bring attention to issues and to do important things on behalf of the country, whereas. Bachman and Palin all exist in the celebrity model where it's almost like the worse they get, the more coverage they get. Um, So the the shorter and more Facebook-based Sarah Palin's commentary gets, the easier it gets for controversy to be stirred up about it.
1: But they're creating celebrities out of politicians, which has already always happened. That's always been the case. Like obviously. right, but
0: now they only exist as celebrities. They can't actually be politicians. Michelle Bachman has not authored any legislation that's ever passed and never will. Like the, I was here. I heard like one of the bills she wrote was, um, like the American Light Bulb Freedom Act, back when they when during the Bush administration, Congress voted to replace. Uh, incandescent light bulbs with CFLs and Michelle Bachman's like bold policy statement was rolling that back in the name of freedom of light bulbs. Like these people are incapable of politics. Their only politics is like the politics of resentment and fear and religious and racial dog whistles to get people to vote for them.
1: Well Palin actually did. Half in Alaska.
0: No, she did half a term as governor.
1: Yeah, she did some shit though. Half she she wrote some shit
0: half a into term into law. She, no, she didn't write anything into law.
1: She 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 wrote some shit down.
0: She passed she probably made some agreements with the government as far as yeah, like the that's subsidies the one. go. That's the one. Yeah.
1: She did some shit with the oil. And so, she did is,
0: do some shit with the oil. She she
1: did some other shit. <laughs> like I like her more than Bachman for some reason. And I'm sorry
0: she doesn't entertain me. She fucking horrifies me.
1: You know what though? Like I mean, if we're gonna do this celebrity political like why not just get an actual celebrity? I mean, I know that Fred Thompson thought he was, but he really like nobody knew who the fuck he was. Like no, even I watched Law and Order and Law and Order SVU, so still don't know who the fuck he was.
0: At At first, I thought that Fred Thompson was actually the guy who is behind the scenes making the dum dum sound between <laughs> every scene. Then I found out that wasn't the case. No, it wasn't the case. It wasn't because uh, I've also, then I found out that Fred Thompson is often very sleepy and I figured he's probably taking a nap when the dum-dum guy <laughs> is coming out.
1: I, You know, I would hire Brad Pitt to be president. I don't think anybody would attack us while he were president because everybody loves Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and if they don't, they love their kids and their kids are like a united colors of, Benetton ad so like we got like a lot of a lot of a lot of races covered there secondly he builds houses green houses in New Orleans so he obviously likes you know he's green and he likes energy efficiency three like he doesn't like to leave his house that much he doesn't like attention so therefore he's not gonna bother us like when he gets up he's not gonna be annoying like you just put him in there maybe he's a figurehead Give him a, give him a good, I mean, if, we, if we're just going to do the celebrity culture type thing, I'm just saying, When I get an actual celebrity, an actual one, and have them do it, instead of trying to create one out of just, you know, stupidity. Also, Tea Party are so dumb right now, we could probably put him in the Tea Party and they wouldn't even know that he wasn't a Tea Partier.
0: Or he might get more votes on the basis of Benjamin Button, you never know. Yeah. Yeah, I think Brad Pitt will have to wait it out till 2016.
1: I would vote for him.
0: I'm not saying I wouldn't vote for him, but I don't want Brad Pitt to Ralph Nader Barack Obama.
1: No, that's why you put him in the tea party. We don't take it. We put him in the tea party.
0: Well, but like, doesn't that, wouldn't he have to have a show on Fox News Channel?
1: Do you think he would have any problem getting that (laughs) greenlit?
0: Like, he just has a show for, like, three weeks before announcing his presidential campaign.
1: A lot of these people are just coming out, of like, from nowhere. And then all of a sudden, they're relevant. So it's it's not that far well, of a and, you know
0: and I think it's fitting because there are Tea Partiers who have questioned the child labor laws that are in place. So, I mean, maybe Brad sets up the kids to get jobs. Yes, I mean, they can be examples to the lazy-ass kids in this country who don't pull their own tiny weight.
1: His kids know, like, three languages already, all of them. Really? Yeah.
0: That means they have a lot of time on their hands, (laughs) time that should be spent working.
1: It's a true story. And I'm sure that he could get them a job in the family business or whatever.
0: Oh, like acting?
1: Yeah, he could...
0: No, no, no. What what jobs should Brad Pitt's (laughs) children have? That would make him look most presidential.
1: His wife's already a diplomat. True. So maybe they True. can have little mini diplomats.
0: Mini diplomats.
1: Do, they, do, they, do is that, Does that exist? Is that a thing?
0: I want there to be an animated series called <laughs> Mini Diplomats.
1: Mini Diplomats. can they just be sexy babies? Like, that's a job, right? Sexy babies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a creepy spin you've put... <laughs> On a really (laughs) fucked up concept. Um, (laughs) Just really slutty babies.
1: Sexy babies. There's a difference. (laughs) There's (laughs) (laughs) a
0: difference. I'm sorry. Slutty implies that it's not classy. (laughs) It
1: does. Uh, No, like the oldest one.
0: So like pageant babies?
1: No, no, no. Because that would
0: be (laughs) the tea party thing. That
1: would, yeah. Maddox could be a... No, I think you'd have to give them jobs that go along with their race just so that the Tea Party doesn't get okay. offended, so Maddox could own like some sort of sweatshop that makes little sexy baby teas. Because we're not we're not done with this
0: with tea bags on them. Yes,
1: <laughs> tea bags
0: on them. It's a really sexy t-shirt.
1: There. <laughs> a sexy baby tea.
0: <laughs> How does this fit into the Tea Party
1: situation?
0: They're going to be in. Sounds like these sexy babies are going rogue.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just that they have jobs. They're like figure jobs. They're not actually. They've got their own lives, you guys.
0: Yeah, they have their own. The sexy babies are getting their own (laughs) cartoon. They've got a children's book series already. The rights are being optioned. They're mini diplomats. There are many diplomats.
1: (laughs) With sexy baby tees.
0: It's really up in the air as to whether this is going to be a help or a hindrance (laughs) to the Brad Pitt Tea Party campaign in 2016. (laughs) But we will tell you all about it. No,
1: we will. We will be on the front lines (laughs) with coverage.
0: But that's not to say that the Republican Party isn't doing anything. Like What they're really doing is using the weapon of mass cynicism. And there's a really nice essay by Robert Reich on the Huffington Post. Robert Reich used to be Bill Clinton's labor secretary, and he is a tiny, tiny man. Look at the history of the past four decades and you can't help conclude that the overall decline in trust and concomitant rise in cynicism about government has been a Republican masterwork. Decades of Republican political scorn Reagan's repeated admonition, for example, that government is the problem rather than the solution, have contributed. The most powerful sources of cynicism have been actions rather than words. And Reich goes through the four main ways, and I'll just briefly go through them. One has been the misuse of public authority. And he gives the examples of Watergate, the Iran-Contra scandal, Tom DeLay's massive bribery stuff in the Senate, and the Republican House's audacious impeachment of Bill Clinton- For a blowjob. So obviously, that generates a lot of cynicism about government. The next source is the flood of money pouring into government from big corporations, Wall Street, and the super rich. And obviously, Democrats aren't innocent, but Republicans have been in the forefront. As Governor Rick Perry has raised more money than any politician in Texas history, rewarding his major funders with generous grants, contracts, and appointments, and as we talked about on the other on the last episode of by that I mean, taking federal stimulus money to plug holes in the state's budgets all the while saying how horrible, horrible, horrible and unconstitutional the federal government is. The third source that Robert Reich talks about is regulatory agencies staffed by industry cronies more interested in protecting their industries than the public. And here again, Republican administrations have led the way. The savings and loan crisis, the Enron, WorldCom, Adelphia and all the other scandals, And then, of course, the biggest speculative bubble since 1929 that caused the Great Recession. The Mineral Management Service that turned a blind eye to disastrous oil spills from the Exxon Valdez to BP. Um, The mine safety regulators who weren't paying attention when the Massey mine disaster happened. And, of course, the FDA that allows tainted medicine from China. And then there's the most important fourth reason for the cynicism, which is that Republicans are the only party that holds the entire government hostage. During the whole debt ceiling showdown, the whole reason there was a debt ceiling showdown, as we talked about, it was over money that had already been committed to be spent by Republicans during the Bush years. Republicans threatened to basically ruin the world economy and ruin the full faith and credit of the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency for the world if they didn't get their way, which was to cut a bunch of shit out of the government to serve their ideological agenda. Now, Democrats have their flaws, but they are not the party in America that is using a threat of government shutdowns, using the literal threat of, of global financial catastrophe in order to get their way. The opinion polls that have been done since the debt ceiling showdown showed that it eroded the public's trust in government as much as Katrina did, and I believe slightly more than 9-11 did. The way the pollsters put it was that it was a pivotal event in the way that the American people viewed their government. And rightly so, because they literally witnessed a political party that has become so devoted to its ideas that it's willing to hold the entire country hostage in order to get its way. There's also that plane crash.
1: I don't want to talk about that.
0: I was only going to talk about it because today another World War II plane crashed in an air show. Maybe it's time to <laughs> take the World War II planes <laughs> out of the skies now?
1: Possibly. I know, right? Like- Maybe they just don't work anymore. After after sixty years, they might might just be done. uh,
0: This is a brief interruption to the political talk to momentarily mourn the plane crash that happened at the Reno Air Show. Moments done. What we really need to mourn is the passing of all World War II aircraft. From being flown in the (laughs) skies again.
1: They had their time. They had their time.
0: And then they also had several, several decades after that time. Mm -hmm. Asia, I don't know about you, but I'm committed to not flying any more World War II era aircraft. Are you going to join with me?
1: Well, I mean, I don't fly any aircraft as it is, so nope. I don't think that this, this pledge is going to be very hard. We've got very different hobbies, yeah. obviously. <laughs> this pledge is going to be quite simple. In fact, not only do I plan to not fly any World War II aircraft, I also pledge to never fly any aircraft. Not even a kite.
0: Wow. Not even a paper airplane? No. Yeah. No. You're that committed to safety?
1: Yes. People could die. Fair enough. I'm sad that these people had to meet their end at an air show of all places.
0: But. Well, but it, it is an event designed solely to thrill the shit out of you with military power. With and,
1: old shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like
0: Civil War reenactment. <laughs> yeah, right. But with... Large, old things <laughs> flying at you.
1: I don't think I've ever been to an air show, per se. I've been to an airport, and I've flowed in a plane. I have not piloted said plane.
0: Oh, okay. So back to the political freak show. Amid the cynicism machine the Republicans are sending into overdrive during this GOP primary fighting, President Obama is actually trying to solve the problems that actually exist in the country. A week or two ago, President Obama proposed a new jobs bill. So, as a result of the debt ceiling compromise that happened a couple months ago, mm-hmm. A super committee was set up within Congress to decide on a bunch of shit to cut from the government mm-hmm. and also what new revenue needs to be brought in. And so Obama's jobs bill is like four hundred and fifty billion-ish dollars of tax cuts and spending to repair roads and bridges, to repair schools. And to prevent further teacher and firefighter layoffs in towns and cities across the country. Along with this are a couple things that he's proposed to kind of guide the super committee on what the White House recommendations are for debt reduction Um, this week. President Obama is going to announce the debt reduction part of that, which is what things he would like to cut. Um, But one thing that he's not going to change is Social Security. Back when he was trying to do the grand bargain, which was the $4.5 trillion deficit reduction thing with John Boehner, he had previously agreed to do some kind of tinkering with Social Security to change the way that they calculate the benefits. But since Boehner refused to do that bargain... President Obama is no longer offering that as part of the deal, which I think is a positive step. One problem that's frequently leveled at him by, by people from the left is that he pre-compromises, that he immediately announces what he's willing to give away as, at the start of a negotiation. Um, but now, now that that other negotiation fell through, He's learned from it, and he's not going to immediately give up things that are very, very, very important to Democrats without any promise of support from Republicans. The GOP now doesn't even support tax cuts. One of the biggest parts of the new jobs bill is continuing middle class tax cuts that President Obama got signed as part of the stimulus package. Most people don't know this. President Obama is the tax-cuttingest president in history. (laughs) In history. And now he's put the Republicans in the perfect position to vote against tax cuts. Um, So that's another part of what's really not just his proposals to deal with the debt and deficits. This is his re-election campaign. And what he's doing is very cleverly forcing Republicans into voting against the sole remaining things that they claim they support. What he just did most recently was proposed what he's calling the Buffett rule named after Warren Buffett.
1: Really? Yeah. I thought it was Jimmy. I was hoping it was going to be
0: (laughs) the margarita requirement for every American. I
1: thought it was the cheeseburger in the sky.
0: Or the buffet rule.
1: (laughs) Like, I thought it was the all-you-can-eat...
0: No sneezing.
1: Kids eat free.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, Warren Buffett wrote an op-ed a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, explaining basically that he pays a smaller percent of his income to taxes than his secretaries do. And so this new Buffett rule will basically be exactly that. Millionaires, anyone whose income exceeds a million bucks or whatever cannot pay a smaller share as a percentage of their income to taxes than middle-class folks do out of theirs. Um, And part of this is to get at all the loopholes and deductions and carve-outs that rich people have had built into the tax code to profit themselves, Mm -hmm. um, and while at the same time they're, of course, fighting to get rid of middle-class tax cuts.
1: Can't wait. The Republicans are going to throw a fucking fit. Exactly. (laughs) Throw a fucking
0: fit. Exactly. (laughs) And that's, that's why I think it's such a savvy political move. In addition to being like a logical idea, this is America is a tremendously wealthy country. And unlike some liberals, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think that the tax codes need to be updated Paul crazy. Ryan, my, <laughs> my be favorite upgraded. of favorite Republicans, has already thrown down against this, calling it class war. Paul Ryan, of course, is the Republican who's the rising star of the party who came up with the Paul Ryan budget plan. Oh, uh, that one. Yeah, the one that ended Medicare.
1: Didn't he go away or something?
0: Uh, no, he's <laughs> he's still around. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it, it every Republican in the House and Senate voted for it. It ended Medicare. It gave rich people the single largest tax cut ever devised in history. It raised taxes on the poor and the middle class hugely. So Paul Ryan's class war comments should be put in <laughs> perspective with that.
1: They should also be put in the Guinness Book of World Records for most hypocritical statement given by a politician.
0: Right, Rankest douchebaggery <laughs> yes. is that a Guinness record? That Has should that be. not been. Passed or surpassed. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: interestingly, like... It, it, it's
1: not, If anything, it's leveling out the class war.
0: Well, and that's actually the part that I wish Democrats would step up and say, that Republicans, <laughs> being the psychologically projecting people that they are, always mm-hmm. insist that everything Democrats do is class war. But really, everything Republicans do now is class war. Yep because they operate most blatantly on behalf of the wealthy. And so I I do think a little bit of pushback is needed in the class war, but it won't be done in a way that doesn't involve bloody uprising unless the government is able to actually do something about it. And that means Democrats growing a spine. But I think if they follow President Obama's lead in promoting specific policy ideas, positive policy ideas, Republicans can then box themselves into a corner about, then then I think there's a way out of it. I still think the new jobs plan proposal doesn't go far enough in addressing The unemployment crisis, because there are over 15 million Americans out of work, and they're saying this could make something like a million jobs over the next year, which would be a great start, Mm -hmm. which would help the economy, and yet Paul Ryan, the one thing Paul Ryan likes in this jobs plan is a reform of the unemployment insurance system called Georgia Works. It's a Georgia, it's a plan to allow businesses to hire the long-term unemployed for a limited period of time for free. This is from the Huffington Post.
1: I'm afraid of Republicans actually.
0: Much like welfare reform required recipients to show up at job centers or perform other tasks in exchange for aid, unemployment reform requires labor for aid. The Huffington Post's Arthur Delaney previously found that while the program is popular with businesses that get free labor, there's little data to recommend it. The Georgia Department of Labor has said within three months of participating in a voluntary job training program, nearly two-thirds of trainees found work. But the 60% of workers who participated in the Georgia program and supposedly found steady work may not have done so. The statistic means only that at some point within 90 days after a person completed the training, the person's social security number popped up in state payroll data. It doesn't mean the trainee had a job at the 90-day mark. It could even mean that a person worked just one day during those three months. But it gives businesses free money. So Paul Ryan is all for that.
1: I'm afraid of Republicans. I'm literally like terrified of them, of like doing too much pushback against, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's been class warfare for as long as I've been alive, at least, as long as my parents have been alive. But last time there was going to be any sort of mutiny or uprising. They were just like, oh, you know, you know how we can fix this? Crack. Let's bring crack around. I'm like, that's, just, that's some scary shit that I just don't want any part of. Like, they can just ruin a whole... They're powerful, evil fucks, and I just, like, I'm afraid for our president.
0: Well, you don't have to be afraid for the president. You have to be afraid for the country. The president's just one man, but... Again, like the 9-11 article, I think there are impulses in people that the events, traumatic and otherwise, that happen to us can bring out. I think there is an aspect of humanity that has a thirst for blood, a thirst for vengeance, a lust for war and for uh, domination and power. And I-, I think one of the two parties most clearly represents the dark side of that very human impulse. But what I fear for is that the other side of that impulse that wants to use power to include people, that wants to use that power to help people who are helpless is not making the case strongly enough for itself.
1: Democrats just don't do shit after a while. You know, they're just apathetic. People are saying that the Democrats are apathetic and they just don't do shit. First of all, they got all these hurdles and roadblocks. Second of all, human nature itself makes it daunting to want to do anything for the human race in general. And third of all, I'm fucking terrified of Republicans. Like, I'd be terrified if I were a Democrat of what the fuck they would do to me.
0: Well, and let's take those one at a time, actually, because there's, there's a lot in there. The first was the roadblocks and obstruction. Republicans filibuster literally everything. They filibustered all of Obama's federal appointees and judgeships and all of that. Like Elizabeth Warren came up with the idea of the Consumer uh, Financial Products Bureau that's basically going to monitor consumer financial products to make sure you're not getting screwed over by your mortgage provider, your loan provider, your credit card company. Republicans are blocking any appointee to that. So even though that bureau was set up in the Fed as part of the financial reform legislation, it can't get started up because there's no way they can appoint a head to it. There are spots in the Federal Reserve Board that basically help determine the monetary policy, which is the half of our economy that Congress has no say in. There are two spots out of the seven on that board that have been vacant during Obama's whole term He's not appointing anyone to those because he doesn't think they'll ever get brought up for a vote in the Senate. Um, And that's before we even get to the laws that got passed before the 2010 midterms through Nancy Pelosi's House, like 300 some odd bills that passed in the House that didn't get that never even got brought up for a vote in the Senate. So the obstructionism cannot be glossed over. Like it's it's too important to what has actually not been able to happen it's not just a temperamental thing on the part of Democrats to cave. It's the ruthlessness of the Republican Party in stopping Democrats, even when they hold majorities, to prevent Democrats from being able to govern like Democrats. So it's no surprise that Democrats end up putting Republican ideas in legislation to try to get some kind of support from them to get something passed. But in the end, you end up having less effective legislation even when it does end up passing, if it does end up passing. Then the second part...
1: Just human nature in general, like humans being... The second
0: part, human nature is a huge part of it too, because if you think about it, um, the democratic, the liberal, the progressive position is to do something new, to try something different, to construct something, to uh, make progress. And the default condition of humanity is stasis, is trying not to change.
1: No, not that. Just, like, humans' inherent goal is to destroy, like, destroy themselves. Well, I, I, don't everything think that's,
0: else. I don't think that's an inherent goal. I think that's... According to the Terminator, it is.
1: No, it's true, though. Like And I, I, mean, think it's,
0: I think it's just really amplified by the kind of suffering that we have in the country now. If you are enduring that struggle of... Trying to provide for your basic needs, you're going to be able to go a lot further and be able to wish a lot worse upon other people if you feel like there's no other way to protect yourself.
1: And then also, the, you know, just the general apathy of the populace as a whole. It's hard to want to well, make changes for people that you know are so comfortable with stasis.
0: But I, I really don't think there is that kind of apathy anymore. No, there I think is. There's, I I don't I don't think there's I don't think it's apathy. I think.
1: In some cases, there's a lot of resignation. There's a ton of apathy. Among whom? Undecided voters, like in terms of just people that are just so sick of, you know, the same shit and yet won't do anything to change. There's a fucking fuck ton of apathy. Out there, mm. it's not. It's not like
0: a that goes right back to the cynicism and the the effectiveness of Republicans who run for office, saying that government is a problem, and then prove through their professional political service that it is a problem. What was the third?
1: That shit terrified of Republicans, because
0: well, yeah. And I think the thing that Robert Reich didn't go into was the not only the cynicism aspect of it, but the fear aspect. This decade of 9/11. Has ingrained in us the kind of unending fear. I think there was a, a culture of fear in America for many decades prior. I think all throughout Reaganomics, like fear of fear of black people, fear and loathing of the poor, adoration and worship of the rich. But I think that since 9/11, a real cultural national collective fear has been set in us.
1: They are batshit crazy. Make no mistake about it. And because they are batshit crazy, it makes them even scarier.
0: But it also makes it all the more important that we do vote in 2012. Because there are people who are trying to solve the actual problems and who are fighting the crazy. For instance, Elizabeth Warren, who, as I said, will never be able to get nominated to head the bureau that she created because of Republicans, is now running against Scott Brown to be senator from Massachusetts. She's raised a T dollars in small donations since announcing her candidacy. And if you want to contribute to her campaign, because she's Not only a badass progressive and a badass woman, but just a badass in general. She's spent her whole life studying the middle class, how the middle class has contributed to the expansion of the American economy, and also how the middle class has been pressed in the last 30 years by economics Um, You can go to ElizabethWarren.com. Cynicism and fear are natural responses to the unending barrage of human stupidity and greed and evil that surrounds us and pervades our political system. But there are people responsible for making you feel that cynicism and that fear. And those people are Republicans.
1: First of all, I don't feel the cynicism. I wasn't speaking for... I'm just the fear. Cynicism, yeah. no. Fear, yes.
0: But the important thing is to not let that fear prevent you from taking any action. And the action that you can take is donating to good candidates and voting, writing your Congress critters and voting, and also voting.
1: Do you hear that, all 40 of you? Rock the vote.
0: So I think we've ended this episode on a, on a note.
1: <laughs> We're not going to say what kind of note. I,
0: I want to purposefully not end on... An A-sharp? I'd rather do a B-flat than an A-sharp. So we ended this episode of by that, I mean, on a resolute note, I learned that I shouldn't do anything and that the universe will usually take care of it for me. But when that doesn't happen, <laughs> I should probably vote. What did you learn?
1: How much I knew about Brad Pitt.
0: Yeah, you really did have a wealth of knowledge about Brad Pitt and his children.
1: Yeah, that's kind of creepy, actually. It's,
0: it's the knowledge about the tr- the <laughs> kids that really kind of freaks me out.
1: It is weird. It is weird.
0: I mean, is it just that they're so covered in tabloids or whatever? Do you...
1: I have no idea what it is. I think I am obsessed with sexy babies.
0: That is never not going to be disturbing to me. (laughs) Like,
1: not in, like, a a people-that-show-up-at-beauty-pageants-who-don't-have-a-kid-there kind of way. Mm Mm-hmm. More like in a... Somebody who wants to eventually have a sexy baby of her own, kind of way. Maybe like a basket full of sexy babies. Because you carry sexy babies around in baskets.
0: Are they slutty baskets? No!
1: Oh, we have discussed this, and there is a fine line between sexy and slutty. A fine one, but a line none the less. Well,
0: in the name of sexy babies. And shitty politicians. This will conclude. This particular episode of But That I Mean, um, my name is Seth Pearson.
1: My name is Asia. You don't get the last one.
0: I'm gonna save the best for last.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna save the last for know. next.
0: You can tweet me at mfpseth, and you can not tweet Asia
1: at Mitchell three point oh. You cannot tweet me there. I have a Twitter there. Oh. But I don't. It's not. It's not my name, and I don't use it. Well, you can feel free to not tweet her at anything but that address. You can
0: subscribe to this podcast through iTunes. Um, and if you find us on iTunes and you like us on iTunes, then review us on iTunes because fuck, I don't have any reviews on that. And I am starved for attention. If you like us on Facebook, if you're a fan of our podcast, you can show it at facebook.com slash by that. I mean, um, and feel free to show your fanship through your fandom, your likes your clicks, your forwardings. You can share our podcast on your profile. You can do any number of things to give us free publicity without me having to lift a finger, because really isn't that what it's all about? I think that's a good place to end. All these podcasts are hosted at my website, themfp.org, and you can check out all the other stuff I do there as well. And until next time,